Hey friends, we're so glad that you've chosen to tune into this podcast from Revival Fires today. We pray that this message brings you closer to Jesus. We'd love to host you at our regular Sunday morning meetings, 10.30 a.m. in Dudley. Also check out our website for our upcoming events. We look forward to welcoming you to our next event. All right, here we go. Here is the message. Have you new enjoyed the, the, this new series, this new theme that we're, we're digging into at the moment called Favor? We, we started off right in the very beginning. The first mention of that beautiful word in the Bible is when it talks about a man called Noah. And Noah had favor upon his life, and that favor enabled him to build a boat. The boat was called the ark. And I'm going to be talking about different arcs today because I believe that God wants to put his favor upon our lives. And when God, this is, this is my, my statement. If you want to grab a hold of this, grab a hold of this, even in your life. When God wants to show his favor to people, he finds a way to let his presence be known. When God wants to, find, to put his favor on your life, he finds a way for his presence to come and to be known upon you. And so favor was on a man called Noah. And this man called Noah, he built an ark because of favor. You know, so often we think that, be, that we have to do something to earn favor. So often we think that we have to be somebody to deserve favor. So often we think that we get favor because of how we look or how we sound or how we dress or where our postcode is or where our family comes from. But I want you to know favor comes first because God is good. Isn't he good? We've been singing about it this morning. God is dovetailing everything together. The king is passing by. I'm really excited, as you can probably tell, to share this with us today. And I believe that this is a message that God wants to teach us how we can walk in favor. We're going to finish up this morning with sharing communion with one another. Sharing the body and the blood of Jesus and the favor of his presence. We're also going to have an opportunity for you to respond to Jesus. Jesus is passing by. I wouldn't want any one of us to ever miss it. So we started off talking about favor, this man called Noah. Then I wanted to just take you a quick journey through the Old Testament because favor rests on different people. And it's amazing the way God, I've used this word already, God dovetails things together in our lives because he wants to teach us. So Noah had favor on his life and he built in. Then that same word in the Bible pops up again when this young boy called Moses has been born in the land of Egypt in the midst of an edict where the king, the pharaoh, is saying that every male boy born needs to be killed. Those are devastating times. And the mother and the father of Moses have wisdom. And they build for Moses, check this word, an ark. The Bible actually uses the word ask. We ask it, ark. We call it a basket. And Moses is put in an ark. And what does this ark do? It carries him above the waters. Noah was carried above the flood waters and saved. Now Mo- Moses is set in an ark and he's carried above the waters of, of Egypt straight into his deliverance. And then this very, very same Moses is used by God to lead his people out of captivity and into promise. See, favor is going to bring us into promises in our lives. Are you ready for promises in your lives to come? Are you ready for favor in your life to come? That's what I'm believing is God is going to do in this season in our lives. We, these aren't just cool words that we think, oh, what should we talk about today? Oh, favor, that seems like a good thing. No, God has put his favor upon this because he wants to put his favor upon your life. Who am I speaking to this morning? Who out there needs favor for this season? Who out there wants to grab a hold of God's promises for your life? Even if you're watching online, write up in the chat, favor. Favor on your life. And this is something that we do to deserve it, but it's something you're going to see as I teach this morning. That God pours upon us. So here Moses was saved by an ark, and God tells him to do what once he's brought his people out through Egypt. God comes to him and says, Moses, does God ever talk to you like that? Like a friend. Hey, hey, Ryan. I've got something to tell you. Hey, hey, Karen, I've got something to tell you. Hey, Cora, I've got something to tell you. Better look, choose someone this side. Hey, Haley, I've got someone, to, I've got something to tell you. And you're like, yes, God, what's that? So God says to Moses, hey, Moses, I've got a project for you. Who loves projects? 
and God comes and says, Moses, you know that, that ark that you floated down the river Egypt and, and brought you into safety? I want you to build another one. But this one is called the ark of my covenant. And Moses says, ooh, God, that sounds good. Ooh, an ark of covenant. Tell me more. Wow. Do you know that bread that I gave to you in, in the wilderness every single morning? When you were coming out of the, pro the prison into the promise. Do you remember that bread? Manna. Yeah, I remember it, God. Well, I want you to take a portion of that. I'm going to have you put that in the ark. Ooh, do you remember that rod that your brother Aaron had when he was a priest that budded and it blossomed? I want you to take that. I want you to put that in the ark. And you know those stone tablets that you're holding right now? Because all this happened up on a mountain. All this happened when Moses was in his secret place. <laughs> his secret place just happened to be a really big mountain. You know, God wants to give each one of us a special secret place. I want to challenge you on this. The bigger your secret place gets, the more influence he's going to give you as well. So God speaks to Moses on the mountain. It's Moses' secret place. It's, he was there for 40 days. I mean, okay, let's just be honest for a minute. How, how many of you find it difficult to manage 40 minutes? <laughs> I'm finding it difficult to manage four minutes without a sip of water. But in that place on the mountain... God says, now look, look what's in your hands. These stone tablets, these letters of my precepts, my laws that I have been given to my people. That also is going to go inside the ark. And God built this amazing ark because of what Moses was being so obedient. And I just want to share with you a couple of similarities. Because as we go through these similarities between these two arks, Noah's ark and Moses' ark, God is going to start to outline what favor looks like on our lives. Are you ready for this? Come on, are you ready for this, church? Yes. Church is meant to be fun. The king is passing by. Yes. Both arcs represent God's favor and grace. So often you might hear these words interchange because grace is defined as God's unmerited favor. What does that mean, unmerited favor? It means there's nothing you could ever do to deserve it. There's nothing you could ever do that could earn it. But God wants to pour favor upon you. And when we receive favor, we call that grace. So both arcs represent God's incredible favor to save us from destruction. There were things that was going to happen in our lives that would have destroyed us. And God says, no, my favor is coming to save it, you from that. But more than that, and we're going to touch on this later, favor doesn't just come to save you from. It also comes to save you for something. What was the word we had on the worship this morning? It was for? It was for? Come on. It was for? Okay. You've got the right word. I can tell you like, is this the right word? Are you trying to test us? It was for freedom that Christ has set us free. It was for freedom that Christ has set us free. So often we know that Christ has set us free and we don't know what's the point of this freedom. Well, I've got good news for you. It was for freedom. The ark comes to save us from something and then also to give us into something. Favor is coming on your life to save you from the things that you might be struggling, to save you from the situations that you might be facing, to save you from the difficulties that you are in your circumstances right now, but then to save you for victory, to save you for overcoming. You know, I was just so touched. I don't want to embarrass anyone, but I just want to share this because it's the most beautiful picture of saving from, for something. There's, there's families in church today from Ukraine. And when you think about destruction, when you think about war, God has saved them from that place. And as we were singing that song, hallelujah, praise the one who set us free. I looked out and I saw just the most Joyous freedom and meaning every single word in worship as they sung that song. Hallelujah, for the one has set us free. But God hasn't just saved you from destruction. I want you to know, our friends from Ukraine, God has saved you for something. You haven't just come into this time, into this country at this time and this season by chance, but God's got something for you. I want to say it to your children's lives. I want to say it into your future. I want to say it into your finances. I want to say it into your careers. God has saved you from something for something look with expectancy god is going to shift things things are going to be amazing and that yes that's for our ukrainian friends but that's for all of our lives if we had time we could prophesy over every single one of you that god has got a good destiny for your life that's our hope as christians let's get back to this although we're not going to have enough time both moa and noses had to follow the pattern of heaven precisely to prepare the ark for god you read Genesis 6, Noah has 
word from God. And God says this, now follow my plan precisely. Moses is up on his mountain in the secret place. And God gives him a blueprint. Line upon line, precept on precept. I want you to know that favor will begin to give you a pattern for how to live your life. Do I have an amen this morning for that? Both arks were carried, one on water, the other on the shoulders of the priests. Favor is going to carry you through the storms and the troubles that we might be facing right now. Both arks saved, as I've said, one from violent and corrupt world, one from slavery and bondage. God's favor is here to save you. God's favor is here to deliver you. And, And ultimately, that's an eternal salvation. God's favor is here to give us an eternal life. God's favor is here to give us a future after what happens even in death. God's favor is here for that. But I want you to know, He's a very present help in times of need. God's favor isn't just that one day when this all comes to an end. God's favor is for this side of eternity as well. How good is God for eternity and for the everyday? For what's to come and for what's here right now. For what might happen at the end and for us right now. An ever-present help in times of need. That's in Psalm 46 if you want it. Both arks held and housed important, valuable items to God's heart. The one was God's people. And the other, as I said, was the manna, the testament, or the, the law, and the rod of authority. I want you to know that favor is going to begin to, be, to give you a pattern for your life. Favor also is meant to become your address. God wants you to dwell in a place of favor. We'll get to this a little bit because there's times in our lives where we think that we might have taken, we've done something, that's done something that's taken us out of God's favor upon our lives. I want you to know that there is a pattern that God is going to reveal to you today to bring you back into favor upon your life. You know, many of us, we can have a sigh of relief because we think, man, I missed an opportunity there. Man, I missed God's plan. Man or woman, if, you, if you're a woman. Woman, no. do you ever say that? Do ladies ever say that? Woman, I missed that plan for my life. Man, I missed that plan for my life. It's for both of you guys. It's for all of us. Man, I missed that plan. You can have a sigh because God has got a plan to bring you back to favor. Favor has not passed you by. The king is passing by and we can grab a hold of this. One of the things it says about Noah as well is that Noah, it says this, Noah found favor with God. He was a righteous man. We'll get to that in a minute. I'm giving you all the little pre-tastes. I'm throwing out the breadcrumbs. You guys are going to follow me. Come, come with me this morning. Noah was a righteous man before even Abraham was called righteous. Before even righteousness was credited to Abraham. Noah was a righteous man. Noah was a blameless man. And then it says this, and Noah walked with God. So Noah walked with God in favor. And then here comes Moses and he built an ark. And God comes and dwells with his people. You see, favor is meant to be your address. But favor is going to come and build a habitation for you. Let us walk and live out favor. Both arks represent God's presence. There's a a songwriter called Kevin Prosh and he, he, he sings this. And I just love it. It's the favor of God's presence. And it's the presence of God's favor. That's what he wants to do in our lives. That's what he wants to put upon our lives. So right now, even just, we had such a good time with the youth and the young people on Friday night. And we got to pray for them to receive the Holy Spirit. And one of the things we talked about was giving people a gift. And when you get a gift, you put your hands out in eager expectation to receive it, don't you? So just now, put your hands out to God and say, Lord, we want the favor of your presence. And we want the presence of your favor. On this meeting, we want the favor of your presence and the presence of your favor upon our lives. Even as Moses said, Lord, that unless your presence goes with us, we will not go. Lord, let your favor and your presence come and rest upon this people. And I thank you that the two are the same, God. Where you are, we find your favor. Where your presence is, we know your goodness, Lord Jesus. Yeah, just set us up with your pattern today. You're so welcome here, God. We want this to be a house of presence. You know that? Revival fires, church, family, we're about the presence of Jesus. We're about His presence in our lives. We're about His presence when we gather and we worship and we praise. But we're about that same presence going with us and on us into our daily lives. 
when we send you out on a Sunday morning, you go in the presence of God. Amen. So when God wants to show his favor, he creates a way for his presence to come and to dwell. When I was a younger boy, growing up in another country, um, my grandmother would come and visit us, normally over Christmas. We called her an Omar. So you guys have got nanas and nannies, grandmothers, maybe babushkas and amais. There's loads of different words that we use. For, for me, it was an Omar, and she was my mom's mom. And she would come normally over Christmas, and I tell you what, she would bring with her the Argos catalog. Now, I'm really sad because August is closed in Dudley. But as a little boy in another country, there was this golden book of goodness. And it was called the Argos Catalog. And as you read through these pages, let me tell you, you could, you would, you could go from fridges and deep freezers from the beginning. That was never any of interest to an eight-year-old boy. Keep going. Then it was like furniture. No, nah, I don't want that. Then you'd keep going and maybe you get to like cut, um, crockery and cutlery. And then you get to like linen, bathrobes, towels. I'm like, come on, where's the good stuff? See, that's where my mom would stop and set up camp. She would look at those pictures of the houses and think, hmm, my house would look very favorable with a fresh bath towel and that bathrobe, you know. And I'd keep turning and, you know, you get, then you get to stationery and eventually near the back, let me tell you, as an eight-year-old boy, near the back, there's the good stuff. There is toys. There, there is... Um, Lego, there is remote control cars, then there's like outdoor play gyms. I mean, it's like if you can imagine it, it's in the Arcos Book of Life. <laughs> anyway, so every Christmas, my Oma would come and visit me and she'd bring an Argos catalog and we would spend ages looking over this book. Like, I'd get my little pencil and I'd draw one circle around the one I liked, keep turning. Another circle, then I'd do a second viewing. So I'd now start to prioritize with the second circle. So then there'd be some toys that had one circle around them, some that had two, and then just to be sure. Because you never know how generous Omar was going to be the next year when she takes the Argos catalog back to England, the land, the land of milk and honey. Can I just say that? <laughs> England is the land of milk and honey, hallelujah. And she would buy those presents, and the next Christmas she would bring them back to us. Wow. Can we have a great big clap in hand for grandmothers, for omas, for babushkas, for family members? So on the third viewing, there would be three circles around certain toys. That was the jackpot, you know. And you'd always, you'd always like, you, the thing with the Argus catalog is it also has the price. <laughs> but they were in pounds. And Zimbabwean dollars was about 10 to a pound at that point. So it just looked really cheap to me, you know. It was like, where's all the zeros on this gift? Keep circling. But, you know, you'd circle the chance. If I really could get that one, that would be amazing. But if that's too much, you know, I'd circle that one. So maybe two would have three circles around them. And then Omar would come back. And here, here's what I'm trying to, the point I'm trying to make is this. I loved Omar's visiting. She was my favorite visitor as an eight-year-old boy. There was favor upon those visits. Because of the presents with a T, the presents she brought me gave me such favor. But my mom, my mom loved Omar's visiting the most because she was her mom. And she just loved her presents with a C. You see, when I was young and immature, I just wanted the presents. Give me the stuff. Can, can I be immature sometimes, please, God? Because I still like stuff. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> you know, take me into the days of Solomon when I can have wisdom and the stuff. <laughs> Amen. <Yeah>. Amen. <laughs> so when I was immature, I, liked, I had favor equaled presence with a T. It equals gifts and the stuff. Let me tell you, God has got gifts for you. But as we get mature in Christ, we realize that it's his presence that is the most favorable thing. If I didn't have the presence of Omar coming the year before, I wouldn't get anything from the Argus catalog. It was her presence that came, that gave us the, the favor upon our lives. Oh, and let me tell you about favor. 
When you turn up at a, at a school as an eight-year-old boy and you're pulling out Optimus Prime Transformer toys about this big made of plastic, I'm telling you, the teacher, she got the whole class to sit down in a circle around me while I played with this toy because they had never seen something like this. I'm not joking. That's the truth. We'll go to heaven and God will say, Ryan wasn't lying about that one. I had favor in my life because of the gifts, you see. But what I'm trying to get across to you is that God says this. God says when he wants to show his favor to our lives, he makes a way for his presence to come. And you see this ark, this ark represented God's presence to his people. Let me just go through this a little bit because in everything, it's talking about Jesus. We live this side of the Old Testament. You see, there's a divide here. This is where Jesus came. Here is everything in the Old Testament, everything before the Old Covenant. And it's not old. Let me tell you, it's not tired and old. The revelation, the love of God, the stories that he had, that he lived with his people in the Old Testament are as rich and as real for us today. But here we stand looking back at Jesus. And I want to just teach you and show you that the presence of God was being talked about all the way back then. Because Jesus is our greatest presence. Jesus is our greatest desire. Lord, we want your gifts. Lord, we want the stuff that you give us. Lord, we want your giftings as well. He's got giftings for you. Giftings that are going to open the door for you in your spheres and your everyday life. But Jesus, we need your presence more than anything else. So this all speaks about Jesus. So this ark that Moses made, I know there's loads of characters now, aren't there? You guys tracking with me? You're following those breadcrumbs? Moses was given a pattern from heaven to make an ark. And here's how it went. God said, first of all, first of all you're going to make it with acacia wood. Now, I don't know about you, but wood's pretty common. Wood's pretty plain. Wood's pretty normal. That Optimus Prime Transformer, if that was made out of wood, it wouldn't have lasted very long. It has made out of metal and plastic. So wood, why wood? But then Moses, God said to Moses, you're going to then cover it with gold. So it's a box made out of wood that it's overlaid and it's covered with gold. I want you to know this speaks to Jesus because Jesus was fully man. He was the wood. He was the organic. He was flesh and blood. He was made from the dust of this earth. Fully man. But then he was overlaid with gold. He was also fully God. Every time we look at Jesus, I want you to see that this is the favor we have through Jesus Christ on earth. We look at Jesus and we see someone who's fully man. So the sufferings that we go through, the situations that you go through in your life today where you need favor, I want you to know that Jesus has gone in there already. He has experienced it. He now knows what it was like. And on earth as fully man, he was also covered with glory. On earth as fully man, he was the pattern that we live of a man filled with the Holy Spirit. Why is that hopeful for us today? Because it tells us that we can live like Jesus on earth. On earth, we too can have the Holy Spirit covering us. On earth, we too can have a pattern of favor in our lives where God can take us somewhere else. But this blows my mind because not only is Jesus fully man and fully God on earth, where is Jesus now? The Bible tells us that after he was dead, after he was crucified on a cross, laid in a tomb for three days, and then risen from the dead grave, he spent 40 days appearing to his disciples. And then at the end of the 40 days, he ascended. He rose again into heaven. And now our Jesus, this king that we've been praising as he passes by, is seated in heaven. But get this. He's still fully man, seated in heaven. So we have now got a great high priest in heaven who's fully man. Where are we seated with Christ? If we read the book, what Paul says, we are seated with Christ in heavenly places. So the favor now that was upon Jesus in the heavenly realm is upon us. And when we need it, we can cry out to Jesus, Jesus, would you intercede for us? And Jesus in heaven, fully man, looks down and says, I'm interceding for you. And he speaks to the Father and he says, Father, look, here I am, a man in heaven. Now would you pour out your presence on your men on earth? Can you just think about that for a minute? How amazing is God? Fully man, fully God. It works both ways. It's almost as if, um, it's almost as if he, he is like the NP and we are his constituency. 
and he has been he has won us because of his great goodness and because of his love on the his death on the cross and his love for us and now he represents mankind he represents humanity he is someone who's speaking for you i don't care what kind of MPs we've had in the past let me tell you there is a representative that we have in heaven and his name is Jesus Christ and he is good and he always chooses and speaks for the good of the people and he always knows the needs of his sheep and he always has a way to bring the resources of heaven to earth praise the Lord give him a clap right now we thank you Jesus this is who you are this is Jesus, and this is what favor does for us. Now, this, this ark, wood covered with gold, what, what did they put on the top of the lid? God told Moses to make two cherubim, to make two, that they're a special kind of angel. They're an angel that guard the entrance. They're gatekeepers. They're flaming ones. They're, they're angels of glory. And he said, make two angels. And I want with their wings to touch each other on top of the ark. And this is going to be called the mercy seat. This is the place where in the Old Testament, once a year, just say that, once a year. Once a year is not a lot. When my Omar came to visit, that was once a year. I spent 365 days looking forward to the next time. Once a year, the high priests were allowed to enter the temple where the ark, this ark, the presence, what I'm talking about, what we're talking about, the presence, enter the temple and make a sacrifice and pour the blood on top of the wings of the cherubim called the mercy seat and make atonement for sin. This could only happen once a year, but it had to happen every year for hundreds and hundreds of years. Now, where do we see Jesus in that? Jesus is our great high priest who went to the cross, and as it says in Hebrews, who died once and for all. And his blood has been poured upon the mercy seat. So much so that when he was crucified on the cross, the curtains that divided this, this holy place, that represented the holy place, they were torn, not from bottom to top as if man could have done it, but from top to bottom because the Father God now had a representative in heaven who was speaking on our behalf and who said, because of this blood, the blood of the lamb, not the small t lamb, but the lamb, the lamb who reigns, the lamb in heaven, because of this blood you have got access every day to the favor of god because of this blood we have access every day to the presence of god not just once a year how good is jesus lord pour your favor in us god it's good to come to church oh it's good to come to the house of god but i get to do this tomorrow i have a secret place it's called my car it's not quite as big as Moses' mountain yet. But when I close that door, I pray in tongues. When I close that door, I put on some music. I sing in tongues. I pray and I say, God, I might not be here with all my family, all my friends. But your presence is still heaven to me. Your presence is still here for me. Your presence is still made a way for me. And I am still welcomed in. Yeah. Let me show you this. I did a little bit of blue petering yesterday. See, I can, I can talk English examples as well as Zimbabwe. So this, this is an ark. It's not, actually. It's a box. It's not even acacia wood. It's cardboard. Thank you, Amazon. Um, and it's the same dimensions as the ark. Now, I didn't try and make the cherubim because I wanted to honor the Lord. But I want to show you something. When you open up the ark, it's the cross. Can you see that? Even in the way that God said, that God told Moses to make, can you see that? To make an ark. He said this is even prophesying in the future of the cross of Jesus. Everything that we read in the Old Testament, everything that we read of the victories where God's ark goes in front of them, where God makes a way, he's saying it's the cross of Jesus that's going to bring you into such favor. Jesus' blood is our access. Jesus is now the reigning power of God on the mercy seat. The throne of God is now the throne of grace. Oh, we can just drink in that grace. Isn't God so good? The throne of God 
is now the throne of grace where we can come every day. Every one of you has a great high priest called Jesus Christ who's opened the door where you can come to the throne of grace and obtain mercy and strength and favor for whatever it is that we're facing. Lord, I thank you for that mercy. I thank you for the blood of Jesus. This is Jesus. This is favor. But it's still going. God is good. You see, inside the ark, as I've already said, there was manna, right? And what is the manna? It was the bread that God's people ate in the wilderness. And that manna, if you were collecting it in, is in the times of Moses and God's people Israel, you had to eat what you collected that day. It was sufficient for your needs for one day. The Bible says that my grace is sufficient for your needs, isn't it? And so often we want to know favor for tomorrow. We want to try and accumulate favor today for our tomorrow. You know, the only upsetting thing about Sundays is that it's followed by Monday. <laughs> I don't know what your Monday's like, but sometimes we can sort of spend our Sundays like, God, just strengthen me for Monday morning. <laughs> Lord, I, I just need more favor. Lord, I need more manna. This wasn't enough. I need more manna, Jesus. Because, you know, do you know what I'm going into tomorrow? Monday. <laughs> and so we want to try and get enough manna today for tomorrow. But God says, no, my favor for today is sufficient for your needs. And if they did gather more manna and ended up not eating it, something weird would happen. This, this... Bread that came from heaven that was formed up from the dew of the ground that tasted like cinnamon and honey. I mean, I think that's where Cinnamon Graham's got their inspiration from. This, this beautiful heavenly meal, if you saved it up for the next day, would rot. And it would be full of worms. I don't know how that happens. I guess because it's disobedience. It's not because this, there's anything wrong with the seed. It's because it's disobedience. Because God said... Store up for what you need today. You see, disobedience causes lack in our lives. Disobedience causes decay in our lives. Disobedience gives the enemy authority to come and steal, kill, and destroy. It's disobedience. But there was one portion of manna that never decayed. And that was the portion of manna that God said he will keep as an testament i almost said eternal it wasn't eternal because that ark has passed away why because someone greater than acacia wood and gold now has represented that and that is jesus christ so it wasn't an eternal testament but it was a testament to see us through until the one who was the fullness would come and his name is jesus christ but inside that box, you could put one portion of manna and it would not decay because God wanted to keep it as a testimony. A testimony is a story of God's goodness upon one person's life. And here's the thing about testimonies. If God could do it for someone else, God will do it for us. Yes, he will. If God has done it for someone else, God is going to do it for us. He is such a good God. So this manna was a testament of God's provision in wilderness. This is what favor does. It provides for us when we need the provision the most. But how does that speak of Jesus? Well, you see, Jesus, in the book of John, he gets up and he says this, I am the bread of life. That manna in the ark wasn't just representing our provision in times of wilderness. It was also saying that there is someone who is the very bread of heaven. Not just some atoms and some molecules put together to taste like honey and cinnamon. But the very bread of heaven himself, Jesus Christ. And he is an eternal son. He does never decay. He, he is always obedient. He will never lead our lives into rot. He is the one that we can come and that we can feast on. And let me tell you, if you want to know what favor is, feast on Jesus. Feast on the bread of heaven. He, that's what favor tastes like. That's what favor looks like. He will give eternal life to all who receive him. This is Jesus. This is favor. 
The other thing that was put inside was the tablets of the law. I've mentioned already, these were the stones that God himself wrote on. I don't know if he used a, a scribe or if God was chiseling away or if he used his fingers. I don't know. Do you guys ever think about that? I mean, maybe lasers can come out of his fingers. I mean, God, it's God. And he inscribed his law, his precepts, the pattern that he had for living to keep them up to Jesus upon the this, this stone. And he put the stone inside the ark. I want you to know that Jesus Christ has fulfilled every single letter of the law. He is the fulfillment of the law. So what was, what was the law that actually led to death? was written upon the life of Jesus, and Jesus fulfilled it. Why is this important? What has this got to do with favor? I want you to know that no longer is God's favor upon you dependent on a list of things that you have to get right. A list of things that you, you just feel you can never quite obtain to until you can receive God's favor. Do, you, do any of you guys like tick lists or to-do lists? I don't know what it is about fridges. Oh, so Anna, my wife, put her hand up. I need to tell you. And it's very good at tick lists. What is it about fridges? That if you have something you have to get done, you stick it on the fridge. I think it's because you go to the fridge quite regularly. I do. It's in some people's bags. And, and there's tick lists. And some of the tick lists are great. You know, put the bins out. Buy milk. Feed the cat. That's not me. I don't have a cat. But maybe you guys have got that one. Awake the children up in the morning. I, might, I need tick lists for everything. I've got them on my phone these days. And, and there's tick lists that we have to complete. And I want you to know that the law sometimes has felt to you like a tick list. But the problem is that you've never been able to tick them off. You've never been able to complete them. And because of your inadequacy to fulfill the law, you think, I don't deserve favor. I've got good news for you. The law was totally fulfilled through Jesus Christ. So you can stand in a place of favor. Oh, I, I want to tell you this story about the ark because it's, it's so powerful. One of the things that happened to this acacia box covered with gold that represented Jesus, that represented the very throne of God, the Lord of hosts, on earth, it was captured once. The story is in 1 Samuel chapter 6. We're not going to have time to go through there, but I just want to get this across to you because it's so powerful. The ark was captured by Israel's enemies, by God's people's enemies called the Philistines. And they captured the ark. And they took it in to one of their cities and they put it in one of their temples. And we don't need to spend time on that right now. Because what happened is the ark wasn't a blessing to God's people, to, to the Philistine people, for this simple reason. They were never called to carry it. God's people were. And I want you to know this. If we ever carry something that God's never called us to carry, that will always become a curse. And we might be thinking, well, why have I got this curse in my life? Why can't I seem to break through this? Why can't I seem to change? Just ask yourself, am I carrying favor or am I trying to carry someone else's calling? Just be you. So, so this, this ark caused problem upon problem for the Philistines and, and even unsaved people can have words of wisdom. Do you know that? Even unsaved, unsaved people, God can speak to them. You know, God, God speaks to everyone. God's so good. He speaks to them because he wants his kindness to be known to them. As much as they were under a curse because they were never called to carry this ark. You guys are with me, right? 1 Samuel chapter 6. If you want some bedtime reading, go read it to your kids tonight. It's quite... Woo! I tell you what, the Bible is interesting. Wow, the Bible is full of real life stories. They were never called to carry it, so they were under a curse. But God doesn't want people to be under a curse, even if they weren't his people. So he gives them wisdom, and they say, what we're going to do, we're going we're gonna to make a cart. And I might preach on this next time I preach a couple of weeks, finish these six steps of walking in the presence of God. There's six steps to walk in the favor of God. But they made a cart, and they hitched up two cows. And they, who were um, feeding their calves, right? And so they took the cow's calves and they put the cow's calves in a barn and they hooked the cows. You following me? Lots of things are on here. They hooked the cows up to this cart and on the cart they put the ark. And they said, if the cows, because their calves are in the barn, if the cows come back towards our city, this 
curse that came upon us was just by accident, just by chance. But if these cows, even against their own natural will as mothers, go up towards the land of God's people, Israel, then we will know that this curse was because of the hand of mighty God, the God, the only God that there ever is upon us. And guess what happened to the cows? They forgot about their calves. They went straight up to a place called Beth Shemesh, to the place of God. And, and the Philistine elders, the, the five lords of five cities, they watched it go up and they said, Yep, this was the God of Israel. Yahweh is his name, Jehovah. He is the one who's done this. And even in that, God set them free. Because God doesn't want anyone to be in captivity. Do you know that? He's so good. And he also glorified his name. But here, here's the point I want to get to about the law. In Beth Shemesh, these people saw, I mean, can you imagine two cows walking through your field one day? The Bible says they were, they were um, harvesting the wheat, and two cows come up, pulling a cart. And on the cart, you can see it glistening from a distance because it's gold. And it's the ark of God. It's been missing for all these years in captivity. And here it comes. Nobody's in sight. Two cows pulling it. And that would look really strange. They knew what it was because they were God's people. But let me tell you, curiosity killed the cat. When the cows brought it to Beth Shemesh, a whole bunch of people went over to it. And do you know what they did? They lifted the lid off the ark. So they took the mercy seat off and they peered inside at the law. What happened to them? Is that they, they died because they were disobedient. Remember, it's about obedience. Why did the manna get rotten? Because it was disobedience. They were struck down and they died. There is a lesson for us, church, when we think about the law. And here it is. We were never meant to try and gaze upon the law without the mercy of Jesus. Whoo, that's good. That's a good word. That's a word for you. You were never meant to try and fulfill the law without the mercy seat of Jesus Christ over your life. That is a word that can set some of you free. There is freedom for you. Instead of all of a sudden the law being a list of ticks that we can't quite cross off, that we can't quite win our own righteousness and we can't quite do it in ourselves. I've got good news. You were never meant to do it on yourself. That's called self-righteousness. Self-righteousness is actually a dirty rag to God. The only righteousness we have is the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And why do we have that righteousness? Because Jesus Christ, the man, is seated in heaven interceding on our behalf. Do you want to know what favor looks on your life? Favor looks like mercy to fulfill every bit of the law that God's written on your heart. Where the law says, you must know my God. You must, the, you must know the Lord. Our oh, favor comes and says, Jesus, I've tried my hardest in my car in the mornings to turn the music up louder than the thoughts in my head and create a secret place. Or to pray in tongues louder than the, the argument I've had with my family. And I'm trying to create a secret place and I can't quite do it. And Jesus says, that's because you're doing it wrong. Come to my blood. Come to my mercy seat. And I will write my law on your heart. Favor is here to set you free. Favor is here to, to, to equip you to actually be a Christian. We try and live a Christian life. Okay, am I speaking to anyone here today? Any of you, any of you found that? The harder you try to get things right, the more you mess it up. <laughs> we could laugh at that, right? The harder we try to get it right in our own self-righteousness, the more we get it wrong. Why? Because the law is working against us and we've listed, lifted the lid on the ark and we're not looking through the blood of Jesus. Instead, we have to come and say like Paul realized. Paul said this. The Lord said this. Let me get this right. The Lord said this. Our Lord and Father of Jesus Christ in heaven said this to Paul. When Paul was going through difficulties and he said this, My grace is sufficient for you. And that's enough, right? You'd think that's enough. My grace is sufficient for you, but there's more. Because my power is made perfect in weakness. Oh, all of a sudden, I'm set free because of favor. I don't have to stand here and be the best pastor, be the best father, be the best husband, be the most pure person and get everything right. I stand here because of one person, one person alone, and his name is Jesus Christ. And his righteousness upon my life enables me to actually be the person he wants me to be. 
Put yourself in those shoes. You don't have to go to work and be the perfect employee. You just have to be under the blood of Jesus. And he will equip you to be a Christian. Why is this important? Because I want us to be such, to be known as a church of favor, where we are actually living as Christians, living with the Holy Spirit flowing through us, rather than trying our hardest. And the more we try in our own strength, we fail. Is this going to set you free? Is this a word of freedom for you this morning? This is the tablets of the law. It's now written on Jesus' heart. And through Jesus, a new law of love comes. And that law gives us life. Say life. 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 That law comes to give us life. This is Jesus. This is favor. And the third thing, and we're going to be ending in a minute on this. The third thing that was in the ark that speaks of Jesus was Aaron's rod that had budded. This was the very same rod that Aaron and Moses took in to Pharaoh's courts when they said, Jehovah, Yahweh, God is calling our people. He says, let them go that they may worship. And Pharaoh says, oh, really? I'm, I can't do that. They're my slaves. What will I do? And, you know, who are you anyhow? And whose authority are you doing this? You know, how can you prove yourself? You know, show me your, your credentials. And Aaron pulls out this rod and he throws it down. And it transforms into a serpent and he picks it up and it's back into a rod. Aaron pulls, Moses pulls out this rod when there's various um, signs of God's, God's judgment on, Israel, on Egypt. And it's this rod that's used. It's, it's a rod of power. Moses stands with this very same rod when they come to a Red Sea where they cannot pass, pass through into the promises. And God says, hold out the rod. Moses actually kind of... Um, whinging, quivering, like, God, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. And God's basically saying, you know, it's not in your own strength. Don't try and do it in your own strength. We want favor. We need to let go. He says, what's in your hands? And Moses said, the rod. Hold out the rod. And he holds out the rod, and a wind comes from heaven, and a path the Red Sea. That same rod, right? Later on, there's, there's a rebellion within the camp, and... Israel comes to Aaron and Moses and they say, who made you to be our boss, basically? By what authority are you over us? Same as what the Pharaoh said to them, right? And what does God say to to, um, Aaron and Moses? He says, take the rod. I want you to put the rod in the temple of God. And I want every one of those people who's complaining about the authority to cut off a rod as well and to bring it and to lay it in the temple. And the next day, whosoever rod has budded, blossomed and brought forth fruit fruit three stages they are the person with authority and god's people these rebellious people i almost called them something else these rebellious guys i think this is a good idea they don't know that they're running into their own destruction so they cut themselves off a stick and they put it down and of course the next morning aaron's rod has budded blossomed and fruited and god has shown who his correct priest is so why is this rod in the ark because god wants you to know that he's always got a plan for his protection a way through the red sea so when we see the ark when you think about favor god wants you to know he's always got protection for you favor will protect you favor will open doors favor will bring you out of situations but more than that god also put the rod in the ark because it was his priesthood and now what does the ark talk about our high priest Jesus Christ, seated in heaven, fighting on our behalf. But even more than this, just as that rod had all three stages of fruitfulness, of harvest in his life, I want you to know that because of the favor of God, when we come under the high priest of Jesus, our lives can be fruitful. When we come under the high priest of Jesus, because of his favor on your life, you can know fruitfulness. You can know all kinds of fruitfulness. You can know the budding, that the coming forth of new life. You can know the blossoms, the, the beautiful season where there is, there is life and there is fragrance. And you can know the actual fruit coming forth. Don't you want your life to be fruitful? Lord, I want fruitfulness in your life. I want fruitfulness in my life. Jesus lives by the same power of eternal life. So we can be fruitful in God. This is Jesus this is favor. Why don't you just give thank you to give thanks to Jesus this morning? We say thank you, God.
We say thank you, God. Thank you for what you've done to represent your favor. Thank you that we, we get all these things. You know what I've been talking about? I've been talking about fruitfulness. I've been talking about freedom. I've been talking about what favor does in opening that door for us. And those are the gifts. But what I want you to catch more than the gifts is the person of favor. And that's Jesus Christ. And he is here for us today. And he's here for us tomorrow as well. Now what we're going to do this morning... We've talked about the cross. We've talked about the blood. We've remembered what it's opened up for us. I want us to partake of communion. I want us to share in the body of Christ. And, and just while we're listening, there's a few things that I believe God wants to do as well. God wants to pray for us. See, as I was talking about the law, I really felt like there's people here today who God wants to set you free from striving in your own strength. There's people to here today that God wants to set you free from self-righteousness. That feeling that I'm never quite good enough. That I just don't match up. That I just don't match up to God's plan for my life. I haven't quite obtained to what he's called me into. You know what? God, because of the blood on the mercy seat, because of what we get to partake of today, he's breaking those words of your life. You are enough. You are able to overcome the temptations and the trials. My, when God looks at you, this is the hardest thing I, I find. I'll be honest with you. I find this the hardest thing sometimes when I come into that presence of God. I see me. I see Ryan. And I'm not just talking about the physical. I see the spiritual side of me. I know what I've been through that week. I know what I'm facing in the week to come. And I see that. But Father God, when he looks at me, when I believe in Jesus and I stand under the high priest Jesus, he sees Jesus. It blows me away. Because of the cross, God looks at me and he sees his son. He has a representative of mankind, of humanity in heaven. And that's what he chooses to see. How good is God? If you want God to come and shift you from self-righteousness into his righteousness, put your hands up right now as well. If you say, Jesus, I need that. I need your strength in my life. I'm tired of struggling. I'm tired of shifting. It's time to move. The gifts are here because the giver is here. Jesus is here. Lord, I thank you for your presence. And I mark every one of our congregation, everyone watching online, everyone listening to this afterwards as well who connects with you. God, I ask for your presence to be upon us. That we would be like your priests carrying the ark upon our shoulders. No longer on a cart pulled by cows, but on the shoulders of your people. We mark our lives for your presence. Let us be a people of presence. Let us be a people of favor. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. Stay connected, be resourced and equipped by subscribing to our YouTube channel, our podcast channel, and following us on social media at Revival Fires on Instagram and Facebook. If you've been impacted by this ministry, why don't you consider investing and sowing a gift? Visit our website for details on how to give.